0: Hello and welcome to Two for None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. My name is Patrick Cullen and I am here all by myself, ladies and gentlemen. Um, And I'm sure you know the feeling after what has been... Well, just the worst year out. Let's be honest with each other. It's been unbelievable, hasn't it? Um, the last time I made an episode of this show, we were all sitting around um, wondering whether the one day series between Australia and the Kiwis was going to go ahead without crowds. And I remember thinking it was a bit of a beat up um, that perhaps, you know, we were all being overly cautious, that this was something that would all blow over. And, uh, as is often the case with me, I was completely wrong. Um, COVID has decimated the globe. And in the past number of months, we've seen just a huge change in the way the world operates. We've gone from bushfires into global pandemic, into lockdowns. Um, Coming out of lockdowns in Australia, opening up, Victoria closing back down and having to endure, you know, close to eight months of continuous lockdown. Just as we speak, a new cluster has appeared in South Australia and has forced a lot of changes, not only to cricket, but to humans there as well. Uh, In the midst of that, we've had the American elections in the States and before that, the uprising of the biggest protest movement that we have ever seen following the horrific murder of George Floyd in the States, um, and a real reckoning in social justice and in uh, all of those sorts of issues over in America that the Black Lives Matter movement has has had a huge impact across the globe. Um, here as well, protests and um, hopefully change has been occurring on that front, just So much stuff. You know, I saw a meme the other day which said, I'm getting really tired of living through international events or history-changing events. And I can't help but feel that that's exactly where I'm at at the moment. Which leads me into my key point for this episode, ladies and gentlemen, which is to let you know that this is the only episode I will be releasing of Two for None this summer. And the reason is that I'm just wrecked, folks. I'm just really... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really wrecked um, and although this summer looks to be really exciting with India coming and the arrival of a whole bunch of you know awesome new young Australian players in the side I, I really just don't have it in me to produce five episodes um, or more episodes over the next couple of months uh, a lot of work goes into this show in terms of coordinating with all of my various correspondents scattered around the globe um, working out talking points, finding a co-host to do an episode with, um, and facilitating all of that. Our great friend, Chris Barty is getting married. Um, he's probably getting married this very weekend, which is very exciting. And I was supposed to be in Perth to be his best man. And I'm unable to do so. Um, thanks to the, the travel restrictions and and the COVIDness that's, that's gone on there. But I will be heading back to Perth for the end of the year and I will have to quarantine for 14 days and if I'm honest with you guys I really just want to sit down and watch cricket and put my feet up and sort of take a bit of a break after what's been a really stressful anxious and difficult year so that's the plan This is the only episode I will be releasing this year, as I said, and I wanted to take this opportunity, um, because I know you guys love this show as much as I do, to let you know a couple of things. One, this is not the end of Two for None. I will bring this show back. I'm sure 2021, the summer of 2021, Two for None will rise from the ashes like a glorious phoenix, like Australia, um, in the ashes itself. You know, come, come and take those back. So 2021 will return in full. This episode is going to be about checking in with our various correspondents. I've asked for tapes from everyone um, to let me know how they're doing and to sort of check in and see around the world how everyone's been going in this really crazy time. I've got clips from Tom Hawkey, uh, Chris the Goodman Man Goodrick, Michael Wood, um, Adam Hassan, and Jai Singh. So we're gonna check in with all of those guys uh, and hear how they're going, hear how they're doing and um, maybe get a little bit of a preview for their various countries and what's going on for them cricket wise and hopefully hear a bit about how they're doing as people as well in what has been just the worst, weirdest and strangest year of our lives. If you'd like to hear more about how I coped in the last little bit, if you missed my voice in your ear holes, if you'd like to hear me talking with a couple of other humans around, I actually made another podcast in lockdown. Um, called The Isocast, and I'll put a link to it in the description. If you'd like to go and check that out, they're just 12 nice, fine episodes um, about how people are coping and some things they're finding joy in. So, you know, if you'd like to go and have a look at that, that would be rad. Let's get into it, shall we? Let's go and hear our first uh, correspondent, hear how they're tracking, hear their thoughts and the life of the universe and everything. We're going to cut straight now to the man, the myth, Tom K. Hawkey, with a bulletin from a Brit.
1: Hi there. Tom K. Hawkey here, with a brief bulletin from a Brit.
0: 2020
1: has been a most unusual year here in Slovakia. I'm not sure if it would have made the international news, but there's been this disease here called COVID-19, and it's really put a dampener on things. I pray to God that none of the rest of you have to endure it. That the ECB managed to stage a full summer of cricket in the middle of a global pandemic has got to be commended. In the tests, England beat the Windies 2-1 and Pakistan 1-0. The other two tests, frustratingly, were curtailed by rain and bad light. Standout performances with the ball came, unsurprisingly, from Broad and Anderson, who chalked off the respective milestones of five and six hundred test wickets each. In 2020, Broad averaged 35.4 with the bat and took 38 wickets at 14.8. Despite such blistering form, the selectors saw fit to drop him for the first test of the summer. Selectors can be baffling creatures at times. With the bat, England's opening pair of Burns and Sibley showed that they can dig in at the top, and Sibley scored a delightfully old-school century off 269 balls against the West Indies. In the middle order, Zach Crawley hit the second highest maiden test-ton for England with his 267 against Pakistan. England are in great shape moving forward. In the ODIs, England beat Ireland 2-1, but then lost the home series for the first time in five years when Australia bested them 2-1. It was a cracking series, with every match ebbing and flowing between the two teams. With the Ashes, hopefully, just a year away, mouths should be truly watering at the prospect of these two teams providing another classic
0: series. Hold up, hey there, TK. Mate, uh, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, that was a great series, and thank you for pointing out that we did actually have a win there, love that for us. Um, but I, I, I've i actually just been reading an article from none other than our former England captain, Michael Vaughan, who's a bit worried about the England bowling stocks coming into the, the next Ashes series. Um, a dear Broad and Anderson, of course, have been such wonderful servants, and as Tom points out, Broad could be almost considered a genuine all-rounder at this point, which is wild. Uh, going to be 38 and 34, respectively, uh, coming into that series. And that's just something to be a little bit concerned about, I think, for England. It's going to put a lot of pressure on Sam Curran, who did not have a massive opportunity when he did play most recently. Um, but And Joffre Archer, who went wickedless in the last test, uh, in Australian conditions. I mean, I think Joffre Archer in Australian conditions could be an absolute handful. But it, it does give you a little bit of pause for thought when, when those two guys who've been so wonderful for so long are um, nearing the ends of their careers. And it will be interesting to see how they stand up playing at the Gabba, um, which has been such a stronghold for Aussie cricket. But nonetheless, it was and Tom's right to give full credit to the ECB in, in scheduling a full summer of cricket um, in between England's major surges in um, COVID, which is now back in full effect. And I've got to say to Tom as well, I'm really pleased he's in Slovakia because being in England now would be pretty how you're going. Uh, speaking of England let's get back to Tom see what he has to say for the end throw
1: in a couple of T20 series one tied one all with Pakistan and in the other we beat Australia 2-1 and it made for a glorious summer of international sport amidst the gloomiest of years if the coronavirus has proved anything it's that cricket is truly the greatest way to spend an empty day
0: he's not wrong about that folks thank you TK really nice to hear your voice mate and I'm glad you're doing well out there in Slovakia even if camper is Camper. Even as COVID has put a bit of a dampener, if I could speak, uh, on that experience for you, pal. Really nice to hear you're doing well um out there and getting to watch a bit of cricket. Okay, uh, let's turn to our man from South Africa, the one and only Chris, the good man, Goodrick, and get a bit of a South African perspective on this entire COVID 2020-2021 situation. Here's the man
2: himself. When
0: Classic random beats from Chris here, folks.
3: It's
0: good groove though.
3: Hello, Salbona,
4: Kundani, Khujamadakh. Good day, Australia. Good day to the rest of the world. Geez, Paddy, what a time it's been, mate. Um, not too much cricket and not too much live sports. It's been a bit of a shock to the system as a. Um, Red eating South African male. It's been quite tough, um, you know, not to be able to shout at the screen, the TV screen, and drink lots of beer. Um, but yeah, I've slowly sort of got got through it. Um, luckily, I am living in the small island nations of New Zealand, um, more specifically um, the South Island of New Zealand, and um, we've we've been quite lucky here. Um, the COVID really hasn't taken too much of a of, of an effect on the country, although we've had our we lockdowns, but nothing like the rest of the world so we've we've really been lucky um whereas obviously um south africa the rainbow nation not so lucky um and i've sort of had a bit of a um it's been a bit weird to to watch things unfold and listen to all the stories from our mates and um family about what's going on there um one of the strangest things that's happened in south africa when we got covid was um the first thing we obviously did was deploy our military, as you do, um, but we, um, we completely banned alcohol and cigarettes um, for a large part of our lockdown, and I'm not sure about um, how you guys did your lockdown, but there was a lot of alcohol consumed um, when we were locked down, and um, that would have been pretty tough, I think.
3: Hold up,
0: hey Chris, hold up, hey, are you telling me that Our friends in South Africa, the Rainbow Nation, had to do a dry lockdown? That is the horror of that. Oh, mate, that sucks. Like, I don't want to sit here and promote binge drinking too hard, but let me tell you, folks, being able to... I mean, it was weird, wasn't it? Like, having beers was just an everyday thing for me for a while there, which I recognise is not a healthy thing to do, and you should do all things in moderation, et cetera, et cetera, but... um, bloody hell, making it dry, oh jeez, that's really how you're going, Um, I wonder why they did that, I guess they figured they didn't want people sitting around and getting depressed, which I I will cop to, was a definite feature of our lockdown, Um, but bloody hell mate, that sucks, just when you thought lockdown couldn't get harder, oh my lord, anyway, uh, let's cut back to the man, Chris, I hate this, I hate this for everybody in South Africa, Oh, let's get back to it.
4: Not having to come home, you know, to a nice cold Stella Artois. Um, So, yeah, South Africa, I would say, was probably one of the harder countries to go through lockdown. Um, Very hard to get, you know, the most easily accessible drug on the planet. Um, But things are looking up in South Africa. Things, um, they seem to be doing okay now. Um, They have opened up the borders quite well, and um, sport is continuing. Um, well we 've uh, in terms of scheduling and fixtures we 've actually got England um arriving to our doorstep pretty soon I think they 're probably already there um but in two weeks' time our first game is um going to be played at newlands on the twenty eighth of November so that'll be great good good to have some cricket live cricket back in the country um i'm not sure if they will be fully attended um I was just reading an article there um it's it's not hundred percent sure whether that 's been confirmed um but COVID numbers are down um, from what they 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 were. Um, so things are looking good. Um, and, yeah, we've got England for, for three T20s and then um, the four, uh, five one-dayers. And that takes us to about quite close to the end of uh, – or well, the middle of December. And then we've got Sri Lanka coming over to visit us as well. And uh, we've got the Boxing Day Test Match in Supersport Park and um, the New Year's Test match as well in Wanderers, so nice, nice to see things happening there um, in the Republic. Um, as I say, uh, very different. Um, you know, I've just been chipping away at the, um, the the beautifully crafted lamb and mint pies here in New Zealand, um, as our wonderful colleague um, and musician, I might add, um, the great Kiwi commentator on this group. His name avoids me now, but...
0: um, Don't worry about it, Chris. Michael the Stickwood. We'll hear from Michael Wood a little later in the show, folks. He is the man, and I am secretly hoping he has a song for us, but we'll have to find out. Back to you, Chris.
4: He'll tell you, you know, New Zealand, um, you know, not always the best at cricket, but, you know, fantastic at dealing with COVID um so it's it's a bit of a mixed one for me i don't quite know what's going on in the republic because i'm not there but i get told all the stories um but it's been a it's in terms of the rest of the world new zealand has done pretty well um let just hope we don't get a super over here um but look i i think you know things are looking up and um just want to watch some live sport and put some meat on the bra and you know do those things i normally do um The one thing that did come out of uh, COVID was some really cool songs. um, One of our health ministers um, stopped, uh, basically put the ban on South Africa um, selling cigarettes. But then she got caught um, um, selling them on the black market. So um, one of the guys has actually created a song about it and it's a, it's a good laugh so I highly recommend it. <laughs> Hold up.
0: You're telling me that the health minister said no darts and no bloody beers for anybody and then was caught selling darts and then somebody made a song about it? Mad. South Africa is wild. Back to Chris. Um it's called
4: ZUL ZUL by Max Hurrell. Go check it out. Um it's a great song and it's basically just her singing. I'll try to see if I can get it back up here and i'll just close with this absolute banger of a check um but look hope you guys are keeping well that side of the the tasman and um to the rest of the guys on the group good luck to your countries in in these test matches coming up here's this banger all right Pat, chris the rest of the team see you later
5: To cigarettes, tobacco products, and related that we should not open
4: up the sale of products. And the reason are health related, uh, but also when people's all
0: Thank you, Chris Goodrick. You're an absolute legend. And, mate, you're not wrong. This track absolutely slaps, folks. I'm going to put a link to it um, in the description. Max Hurrell is the man behind it, and it's literally just called Zol, which, from what I understand, means a joint or a cigarette. Um, the theory behind it being when you're licking the uh, paper to secure it in place, you could be spreading that COVID. And listen, it's not a bad point. Um, and it has resulted in a really great piece of art here, folks. This, uh, this drunk, this track slaps. Okay, let's change the uh, channel, so to speak, and hear from Adam Hassan, our Pakistani correspondent, who's based in London. Uh, Be great to get an update from over there. The UK has been a pretty tricky spot to be, and there's been big developments for Pakistan cricket of late as well, with Cricket Learning looking to return to the homeland country of Pakistan very soon. I'd love to hear Adam's perspective on all of that. Let's go to him now. Here is Adam Hassan from Pakistan.
2: With the and then they share their... So England has gone into a second lockdown, which isn't great. But at least in terms of recreational cricket, we did manage to get in half a season, which was nice. And from a Pakistan point of view, there's still been a lot of cricket to keep up with over the last few months. A big moment came last December with the return of Test cricket to Pakistan for the first time in 10 years. The first of two matches against Sri Lanka ended in a draw due to rain and bad light but the main story was Abid Ali becoming the first batsman ever to score a century on both ODI and Test debut. He followed this up with another 100 in the second Test, and 16-year-old Nasim Shah became the second youngest bowler to take a Test Fifer as we sealed our first home Test Series win since 2006. Then, in February this year, he became the youngest bowler to take a Test hat-trick in a victory over Bangladesh by an innings and 44 runs. And a huge thank you to Bangladesh for making the trip but especially to Sri Lanka. For them to be the team to bring test cricket back to Pakistan was very symbolic and a great moment. On to our tour of England. In the first test, Azar Ali won the toss and elected to bat. An excellent 156 from opener Shah Masood, followed by four wickets for Yase Shah, gave us a first innings lead of 107. After limping to 169 all out in the second innings, we still looked to be favourites. With England on 117 for five, chasing 277, but then, well, I'm sure you all know what happened. Chris Wokes, Joss Butler, England won. Let's move on. The second and third tests both ended in draws due to rain and bad light, meaning that England won a Test series against Pakistan for the first time in ten years. One interesting story was Fawad Alam, who returned to Test cricket after 11 years. Only to get four-ball duck. Hold up, hey, Adam. You gotta
0: feel for that bloke, don't you? 11
2: years. 11
0: years. You come back to it and you get a four-ball duck. From my memory, it was an absolute peach of a delivery as well. I mean, you just you just hope that after four years, you could walk to the crease and somebody would do you a favor and give you a nice, juicy full ball on leg stump that you could just whip through the leg side and grab yourself a couple of runs, maybe hit a four, you know. But alas, poor forward alarm. I feel really sorry for him. Hopefully he does get another opportunity at some point and hopefully this time it won't take him 11 years
2: to get it. Poor bugger. Let's go back to Adam. The standout performer for Pakistan was Mohammad Uzwan, whose batting and keeping were outstanding throughout the series. The rain continued into the T20 series as the first match was rained off. We narrowly lost the second game, and then, on September the 1st, after over two months in bio-bubbles in England, we finally won a match. 19-year-old Haider Ali scored an impressive 28-ball 50 on debut before the veteran Wahab Riyaz held his nerve at the death to secure a 5-1 win. 39-year-old Mohamed Hafiz was awarded Player of the Series, scoring 69 of 36, an 86 not out of 52 in his two innings. A few of our players then went on to the T20 blast, where Baba Azam scored a century for Somerset, Shaheen Afridi took a 6 for, for Hampshire, including four wickets and four balls, and Imad Razim won the title with knots. We've just finished a home White ball series against Zimbabwe. We won the ODI series 2-1 and the T20 series 3-0. And Baba Azam has been scoring a lot of runs, three 50s and 100 in his last four innings. It's great to see that his batting form hasn't been affected by the added responsibility of captaincy, because he's just been announced as the new test captain, replacing Azhar Ali. I actually wanted Rizwan to take over the captaincy, but I'm hoping that Baba can follow in the footsteps of Kane Williamson in being both a great batsman and a great captain across all three formats. And we'll see if he's up for it next month, as Pakistan's tour of New Zealand in December is looking set to become the first international cricket since the outbreak of the virus not to be played behind closed doors. The main team news is that Asad Shafiq has been left out of the test squad. This will end his run of playing in Pakistan's last 72 games, the longest consecutive streak of test matches for a Pakistan cricketer. I'm feeling quite optimistic for this tour. New Zealand are a great side, but with a young, exciting team, supported by the coaching of Misbah, Yunus Khan and Wakar Yunus, I really think we can challenge the Kiwis. And finally, Umar Gul has retired from all forms of cricket, To be honest, I thought he'd retired a few years ago, but this gives us the opportunity to reflect on his career. He was a great bowler for Pakistan. He was the leading wicket-taker across all teams in both the 2007 and the 2009 T20 World Cups. Alongside Malinga, he was the best Yorker bowler in the world in those first years of T20 cricket. My favourite memory of him was watching his spell of three overs, five for six, in the 2009 World Cup against New Zealand at the Oval which made him the first ever bowler to take a T20 Pfeiffer. It was a shame that injury derailed his career, but he will still be considered a great of white ball cricket.
0: Yeah, Adam, you're not wrong there. What an incredible player Umar Ghul was. I remember seeing some of those uh, incredible spells he had against Australia back in the day as well. He was a, a real cracker. Of a bowler, and that I wasn't aware of those figures of his at the Oval, they are insane. It would be great to see the Kiwis and this young Pakistan team go on there. That coaching staff sounds like an extraordinary lineup. So, you know, if they can do half as well as their coaching staff, they will probably really push the Kiwis um, off the back of that. We probably should hear from Michael Wood, but I might save him to last just in case he's got something special in the store. Um, if he doesn't, then I'd just be nice to hear his voice a little. Later. Let's 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 go now to our favourite um, in-depth analysis human on this podcast, the one and only Jai Singh, and see how Jai is feeling about the prospect of an Indian summer in Australia, um, and his thoughts on the upcoming test series against us starting very soon. Let's go to him now. Hello, everyone.
5: In a packed Indian interjection today, we will be previewing India's tour of Australia that is starting shortly and reviewing all of India's international fixtures from the past six months. First, the review. And now on to previewing the tour. (laughs) India will be touring Australia for the second time in three years as part of an international schedule that is great for any Indian fans based in Australia, and even better for the revenues of Cricket Australia and the BCCI. Indian fans have been keenly anticipating this series as a true yardstick of how strong Virat Kauri's team really is. India achieved a dominant series victory down under in 2018-19, but there was an asterisk against that performance in my book because Australia was missing its two best batsmen, Steve Smith and David Warner, for sandpaper-related reasons, just in case anyone forgot about that joke from a couple of years ago. An Indian victory this year against the full-strength Australian side would definitely remove any residual doubts that they are the better side. However, the shock news out of India is that Virat Kohli himself will miss three of the four tests because his wife is expecting a baby after the first test. And this is where I think the Indian captain's razor-sharp brain, usually so adept at balancing run rate calculations when finishing an ODI chase, has monumentally misfired. Right at the time when he should have been gearing up for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to win a series in Australia against the full-strength home team and thereby achieve eternal glory, he was more focused on getting nookie. This is why pushy Indian parents are so strict about not letting their sons
0: go out with girls when they have exams coming up. All right, hold on, Jay. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's just take the foot off the pedal there. I mean, to be fair to Virat, he has been in lockdown for a portion of this year. You know, like, there's only so much Netflix you can watch. Like, let's let's give him a red-hot break, shall we? Um, you know, and, and, and I hear your point about pushy Indian parents, but, you know, like... I think, I think, I'm just saying, I think you can, you can let this one go. You know, I think if, if Steve Smith was sitting home from India for the birth of his first kid, we'd be disappointed, but also you can't really blame him, um, for it. Uh, you know, I kind of get it, Jay. I kind of get it. It's all I'm saying. I kind of get it. Anyway, let's get back to
5: Joe. It's just not worth getting distracted. There's a time and a place for this sort of thing, and that time is after the end of day five of the fourth test. Okay, maybe I'm going a bit far here. I know there's more to life than cricket, but no, there isn't. This is test cricket. Nothing is more important than test cricket. On the other hand, if the kid turns out to be India's next batting prodigy in 18 years' time, then I'll accept that Koldi was right, and maybe I've got my priorities the wrong way around, unlikely though that seems to me. Of course, India still has an excellent chance of winning the series, but without calling, even the most one-eyed Indian fan, would accept it's going to be difficult. India will enter this series with a stronger opening partnership than last time, even though we're not completely sure who the openers will be, and Mr Dependable Pujara is still at number three. In fact, there are some rumours that he never actually left Australia after batting through pretty much the entirety of the last series. From what I've heard, the team management just switched him into standby mode and left him at the SCG with his pads on.
0: Hold a hey there, I, I, I Yes. You know what's interesting is I actually had a job um, as a COVID safety supervisor on a film set, and I was at the SCG. I did walk past a, what I thought was a statue um, of Pajara, I hastily erected, I assumed, after the last test series, uh, but... Being in standby mode there does make a touch more sense, I, I will confess, uh, like some kind of robot sent back from the future to uh, hit runs and take names. Can we quickly also mention here, while we're talking about opening Batsman Jai, and I know this is a bit of a distraction from India, but the Australian Opening Partnership is going to be really interesting. In case you haven't seen the news, ladies and gentlemen, there is a young man by the name of Will Pakovsky who has had three innings and it's averaging 247 after those three innings. He has 495 runs and he's been included in the Australian Test Squad alongside Sean Abbott, Joe Burns, Patty Cummins, uh, Cameron Green, who, like you know, I know we need to keep these sort of players in the cotton wool. I can hear Chris Barty over my shoulder saying, don't get too excited, Pat. You know, it's a unicorn player. Everybody be cool. But if Cameron Green can live up to one-sixth of his potential. He will be an incredible all-rounder for this country. Um, he, his batting and bowling has been exceptional. Uh, Hazelwood, Trav Head, Manus Labashain, Nathan Lyon, Michael Neisser is in the squad, love that for him. Uh, Tim Payne, obviously, Pattinson, Pekovsky, as mentioned, a bloke by the name of Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark, uh, Mitchell Swepson, who's a Queensland leggy, folks, who has 23 wickets up to six innings at 21, which is hog wild stats. He's been taking so many polls. We love to see that from a leggy. Love to see it. Alongside Matty Wade and Dave Warner, which is a pretty strong squad. Now, whether uh, our dear Burns opens the batting alongside David Warner or they give the young Fowler and Bukowski a crack it's anyone's guess, um, but I think if Bernson get run in the first test, he could well face himself on the chopping block to give the young fellow a chance. Uh, let's go back to Jai and hear some more about how India is shaping up for the
5: series. Ajiki Rahane will probably stand in as captain, and I think his calm head and tactical acumen will stand India in good stead. It will be a bit like Raul Dravid standing in for Sourav Ganguly back in the day. A lot less drama on the field, but things will tick along pretty smoothly. India's best-ever pace attack, which cut through the Australian batting order like a combine harvester last time around, should be reunited for another tilt, provided Ishan Sharma recovers from his side strain in time. And this is where I'd like to do a little tiny rant about the number of Indian players who seem to get injured in the IPL when there's a big series upcoming. And Ravindra Jadeja's batting has improved enough to give India all-round depth and the ability to play two spinners in addition to the quicks without overly lengthening the tail. But there will be a big big Virat Kohli-shaped hole at number 4, and no obvious candidate to fill it. So, with regret, it appears I'm now ranting about the number 4 position, which is something I had sworn I would stop doing. Unless, just a slight possibility, maybe Kohli could be able to play the rest of the tour via Zoom link-up. Because the other option is to try and bring in one of the superstars from my own international cricket captain 2005 career mode, which is now up to 2044, just, just saying, where India's batting might is so spectacular that if someone averages less than 60 in tests, I'll drop him because he's clearly not good enough. Come on, guys. 70
0: is the new 50. Uh, I'm right there with you, Jai. I really wish I could bring in my team uh, from uh, International Cricket 2005, uh, which featured a young, plucky gingerball bowling all-rounder um, who could come straight into the Australian side at eight. Sadly, I don't think it works that way. And even Verat Kohli may struggle to score runs if he's doing it over a Zoom link. He'll probably be in his underwear chewing pizza because uh, that's how we all do it, right? <laughs> So anyway, apart from the
5: test tour and my extremely interesting hobbies, there are a few other items of Indian news that we should run through. Firstly, Mahendra Singh Thuni finally decided to pull up stumps a year after his last appearance in an Indian shirt at the 2019 World Cup semi-final. He had been hoping to play in the 2020 World 2020, which is a lot of 20s. But that got delayed due to the pandemic, and he decided not to wait around refusing to accept the inevitable and making an idiot of himself in the process. <coughs> Trump. <coughs> <laughs> the lull actually made Tony's departure a lot more poignant because it gave us an opportunity to forget the fading star of the past few years and remember the huge figure Tony was after he burst onto the scene in 2005 with his long hair and his huge hits. In a way, India had moved on from him before his retirement and the announcement allowed everyone to remember what had been lost and, not too strong a word, grieve openly. The IPL was held successfully in the UAE, the scene of some of India's great 1990s moments. I mention this because I spent a considerable part of the COVID-19 lockdown watching what can only be, be described as pornography on the internet. I should have been strong enough to resist the temptation, but my phone was right there, And before I realised it, I had already typed Sachin Tendulkar 1990s into YouTube. If any of my neighbours are listening, I'm sorry for the strange
0: noises. (laughs) (laughs) Chai, mate, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And listen, i uh, I got to come clean here. I have watched Mitchell Johnson's 37 wickets in the uh, 1314, sorry, 1415 Ashes about... Ooh, 20, 22 times over the lockdown. They just kept appearing in my feed. And you know what? I didn't stop it. I could have clicked away. I watched a whole bunch of Ryan Harris taking the poll of Alistair Cook with the first ball of that test. I could have looked away. I didn't. I didn't. And I that's going to... It's not going to haunt me, actually. I'm going to dream about bowling that ball for the rest of my days. Um, Thank you so much, Jai. Lovely to hear from you. And listen, I I think that you get the chance to fully gloat massively. India are able to pull off a Test Series win here. And I will try not to make too much fun of you uh, if they do not, um, all things considered. Thanks again, though, mate, for all of your input. And lovely to hear your voice. I will try and grab you for a beer when I'm back in Perth in the new year. Alright, there's only one person left to hear from folks, and that is our main man, Michael Wood. And just before we get to the stick and talk about him, I just quickly wanted to say how excited I am about this Indian series coming up. It's going to be really... Exciting and wonderful, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I do hope that a couple of these young players, like Pokowski and Green and um, and Swepson all get a run. I hope we do have a crack at it, and I hope we we get a big freaking wing and smash the smash the Indians. But um, it's just going to be great to see a full strength Australian side going at it, um, and seeing if we can't really just dominate like the good old days. I'm really looking forward to sitting around in the air conditioning and having a beer and putting my feet up and eating apricots and watching Test cricket. I just can't wait for that. That's just going to be absolutely prime. Okay, last one, folks. Let's have a listen to our dear friend, Michael the Stick Wood, uh, our Kiwi
3: correspondent with a New Zealand perspective. G'day. Eden Park in Auckland next Friday, November 27th. The Black Caps will take on the West Indies to kick off the International New Zealand Summer of Cricket, which is very exciting. Uh, New Zealand A also have got a couple of matches against West Indies starting this Friday as well. Uh, As many of you know, Auntie Jacinda and New Zealand are super strict on border and the quarantine regime because of COVID, um, which is why the country has done so well. However, the West Indies got into a little bit of trouble because they buggered it up a bit. Basically, they have like these two bubbles of 20 people, and some of them were mixing bubbles by passing food to other team members across the corridor, which was caught on CCTV. The coach apologised, but the Ministry of Health uh, revoked their final training exemptions for their final three days of quarantine. So we'll see if that has any impact. Um, So, for the rest of the summer in uh, New Zealand, we have the West Indies for three T20s and two tests, Pakistan, three T20s and two tests, um, which includes a Boxing Day test in uh, Mount Maunganui's Bay Oval, and then in my hometown of Christchurch, we'll host a second test at Hagley Oval starting on January 3rd. Uh, Australia will come over for five T20s, and then it's not until March when Bangladesh come We finally get to play some ODIs um, when we play three of them, as well as three T20s. So we've got a whole summer of cricket and only playing three ODIs. So that's going to be a bit strange. If I was making the schedule, it wouldn't look that way. But I guess it's because of the uh, 2020 World Cups coming up. Although that does mean that there will be over a year between ODIs for the Black Caps World Cup champions. Um, Oh, God. It sounds like I'm still not over it.
0: Yeah, Mike, that's probably because you're not, pal. And and to be fair to you, if I was a Kiwi fan, I wouldn't be over it either. Um, robbed. Straight up robbed. I don't think we'll ever really truly understand how that happened. I still don't get it. Oh, boy, the trauma. I'm sorry, Wood. I'm sorry, mate. Let's get back to it.
3: Um, we have the England women's side confirmed to visit in February and March and discussions are being happening about the Australian women team coming. but um, other than that there are no dates have been confirmed. The White Ferns.
0: And to be honest, that's probably a good thing for them. I don't know that, um, even with COVID not being too much of a problem, that the hospitals have the ability to take in uh, more casualties, which would no doubt occur uh, if the White Ferns played the Southern Stars. The Southern Stars are just killers, they are out to destroy. They are seriously 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 good um so probably good really for the confidence of the white ferns for how they feel about where they're at in their lives um for the confidence of the nation that they don't
3: have to face the southern stars anytime soon because it would be a massacre frankly anyway back to mike um the black caps have a new batting coach luke Ronkey who of course was our wicket keeper and played up until 2017 it's going to be interesting for some of the older players like Ross Taylor where they used to play alongside each other and now suddenly Luke is coaching them. And uh, obviously we're aiming for the World Test Championship Finals at Lords as well. We've got uh, our two, two test series at home this summer and they are vital points. We are very good at home of course, we're beating India uh, earlier this year in February so keep an eye on that points table as well. We might not necessarily be the favourite to make the final but I definitely think we're going to be in the mix there uh that's basically it from me a couple of of other quick things I want to mention uh like Australia have had recently there are some changes in uh, broadcasters in New Zealand the great man Ian Smith is sticking with Sky Sport for rugby which means he'll no longer be commentating on the cricket I think his calling of the World Cup final not only with his insight but his passion is something I'm definitely going to miss And Simon Dool is moving over to radio commentary. So it's going to be a bit of a different sound this summer, I think. Uh, And finally, I just want to give a shout-out to Trent Bolt and his man-of-the-match performance with the Mumbai Indians to help them win their fifth IPL Championship, finishing with figures of 3 for 30. So that's it. Enjoy the summer. Catch some New Zealand games if you can. I'm sure they are going to be some good ones. We've also got the Super Smash kicking off on Christmas Eve. So there's plenty of games to get around. Thanks, guys. Love your work. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Love your work too, pal. Um, really, really,
0: really, really nice to hear from you, big man, and some great stuff there. Big exciting times for Kiwi ki- cricket. Kiwi cricket, if I could speak from the looks. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're going to call it for this year, uh, for 2020 in the summer of 2021. We will be back in sort of this time next year um, to give you some more insight, cricket stuff, comedy stuff, jokes, friendship, the full kit and caboodle. Um, Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. I'm just looking at the stats now and thousands more of you have tuned in over the last few months and that's phenomenal to see. Um, And it's really great that that you found us and you're enjoying it. So please spread it around. Um, If you think it's a thing that people might like, why not show it to some friends, uh, spread it out there, get it into the world. Also, if you'd like to hear some more podcasts from us, check the episode description and go and dive into the ISOCAST. It's a 12-episode short little fun insight into some things to do if you're stuck in lockdown or isolation. And yeah, I hope you're all looking after yourselves, folks. I hope you're all starting to get back into playing some cricket. And if you're not, um, I hope you're getting back into watching some and putting your feet up. I want to say a huge thank you to all of our correspondents. Chris the Good Man Goodrick, Alex Spinks, Michael the Stick Wood, Christopher T. Barty the Man, the Myth, the Legend, Tom Kay Hawkey, the Hawk, Heidi Cheadle, the absolute legend, Roscoe Thatil out in Sri Lanka, Jai Singh, our Indian correspondent, and of course, Adam Hassan, the man himself. Um, thank you all folks for all of your great work and all of your contributions over this year, last year, and since we've been doing this, I uh, appreciate you all very much. And I know other people listening to this show do as well well if you would like to be a correspondent on two for none if you think you could add to us why not send us an email you can get in contact with me at gingersnapsydney at gmail.com you can also follow us on social media on facebook at two for none uh, or on twitter as well if you just search the isocast that's me too Getting into it folks thank you so much for listening to this show we really appreciate you i think it's a really good time ladies and gents to start looking after each other a bit you know so as everyone said today it's a really weird world at the moment. And I think if we all started taking care of each other, start a little bit more, it could just be a nicer place to exist in. So thank you all for listening to this podcast. We'll be back in 2021 uh, to really kick things back off again. Enjoy your summer. Enjoy the cricket. And we will hear from you real soon. I only have one last thing to say, folks. It's the last time I'm going to say it for 2020. Go those Aussies.